repeating him. We are repeating him. We are believing him. It's time for us to shift our mind from best in the world to best for the world. Make decisions intentional. To take decisions intentional. Making decisions intentional. Welcome to FIDE, uh, the broadcast where we uh, explore life. And uh, my name is Stella Nordahl, and I'm here today in the FIDE broadcast. FIDE, which is short for Foundation for Intentional Decision, but also means trust in Latin. Uh, today I'm here again with my, uh, my friend and colleague, uh, Jens Rinald. Uh, Jens, say hello to the audience. Hello, audience, and uh, thank you for this introduction, Stalin. Yeah. Uh, Jens, this is um, actually the eighth episode. Mm -hmm. Quite a journey so far. And exploring life, uh, I would say, is, is very interesting because that is what we do in the day-to-day -day life. That's actually true, yeah. I mean, we we spoke about uh, when we when we set up this program of of how can we find actually a word for for how can we use our experience in describing uh, life and and we realized there there's not a, a good fitting word. I mean, we ended up with okay, this is an experience based journey based on our experiences. Um, but I'm thinking of like yeah, there, there's what what is why why is there not uh, not a suitable word in 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 the Western language that that can express this what I'm experiencing and how is this creating my reality? Yeah, and this is extra relevant today as we are uh, we are focusing on on the the concept of wholeness. That's the theme for this episode, mm -hmm. and thinking about wholeness is. Can you even live without being whole? <laughs> That's a good question. I think you 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 cannot, but sometimes you're not aware of all the aspects or functions that make you whole, perhaps. Mm. So sometimes maybe you suppress, I don't know, emotions, for example, or specific thoughts. And, mm, and can uh, can you can you do that then? I mean, of course you can do it, because that, that is actually happening in, in all of our lives, all the time. But what I'm thinking of here is what happens to us when we are suppressing that wholeness, when we are pushing down or ag ignoring or uh, not... Uh, yeah. I don't yeah, know how to I put it. I mean... I gu guess there is some suffering on, on some level, um, because you're, you're not really living your authentic authenticity um you're not really 
true to who you really are on on all levels um and uh, i mean sometimes it results in um if you for example store up a lot of emotions in, in your body um it also affects the physical body uh, meaning that that it res results in in um in actually uh, diseases uh, that affect the body so built up on uh, something when when the when the body is not in we can use the term balance for a while mm. even if i'm not fond of, of the terminology of balanced because it's it's already at that point puts stuff in opposition uh, and wholeness is not putting stuff in opposition it's it's uh, actually the opposite of it but we can use the word for a while because people are probably more aware of uh, of balance than than other expressions we maybe don't even have an expression for that um, but again when you're not in balance um, this is probably what happens that, that the body says to you more or less Hello, you're not in balance. <laughs> <laughs> Please help help me out. Um, be aware of it. Uh, yeah, I mean the body sends different signals, I guess, to showing us that there are things that are not in balance, or that there is energy stored somewhere that that yeah may maybe where it's not flowing again. Mm. So and and that creates tensions. So so what if we have the assumption that we are whole at at every point of uh, of life? but we have suppressed it or uh, maybe not being aware of it or um, maybe not being in so to speak balance and what then will happen is that as we're not in balance as we are not whole and as at that or at least we don't believe us being whole uh, we maybe even get diseases uh, as you said before here or we have anomalies or uh, external this or whatever we call it in, in the systems what do we then do? We we actually we ask someone else what is the problem. Yeah, I mean you you gave the example of that sometimes we go to the doctor and ask like how do I feel? Mm. Yeah. I don't know. If I would be the doctor I can only ask this question back, how do you feel? And maybe I can explore what symptoms you have. But I mean you you're pointing at something like am I trusting my own experience? Like do I know my body actually well enough to, to also say like oh there is an imbalance mm -hmm. i feel like maybe i need more movement now or i guess nowadays we are sitting down a lot of times uh, do i need to have balance this out with more movement uh mm -hmm. it's very interesting when when we use the word body we very often refer to the physical me body <laughs> the the physical part of my what is what is I? Of course, that's a question. What is a human, and so on? That are questions that arise when I use the terminology of a body. But a body could also be um, an organization, the body of an organization. A being could actually be a, a, a group of people, uh, an organization, and also a, a body could be a society or even the world as a as a planet. Yeah, I mean, if you if you look at the situation we are right now in, which we like to call the Corona opportunities, uh, you can also argue that the planet itself, as a living system, has, you know, its immune system is actually reacting to the virus, not the virus itself, but humans as a virus, humans that have built up systems that are harming the planet, and uh, it's the immune system of the planet is reacting to that. 
uh, I believe this is very interesting what you're pointing out here because then we have actually a system for knowing when we're not in balance again. Mm -hmm. And in a while I would like to redefine balance, but as for now I would like us to stick with it because we don't have to redefine the first thing we do. A wise woman once said to me, when we have, for instance, a disease in, in our body, we very often tend to ask ourselves why. But what happens if, if you already have a, let's say you've already posed that question and the answer is, is the disease. Then you will only get the same answer over and over again. Hmm. And I, I really love that phrasing of it. it. It actually meant that, for me at least, it meant that as I'm asking myself or put pose the question of why is this happening? It could be anything. It could it not only limited to to uh, to diseases. It could be any situation. Why is this always happening to me? Why is this happening to me? Then I am actually asking for the same answer once more. Hmm. So what what would be then the solution? Yeah, what would then a different uh, th question? Then, uh, then I guess yeah, different question of course, uh, or maybe realize that I already got the answer even if I don't understand it. And it's um, a little bit like uh, Albert Einstein said that you can't solve a problem from the same uh, level of consciousness that created it. So you can't actually, by posing the same question over and over again, get another answer. I actually, it happened to me a couple of years ago and I was, so yeah. I was out in outside the bank, uh, you know, the, the um, uh, what do you call them? The where you stick in your card. The uh, ATM machine. ATM, yeah, the ATM machine. And I uh, was... Uh, Entering the numbers? Yeah, entering code? the numbers, or at least I thought I entered the right numbers. And I realized that, uh, no, it wasn't the right uh, numbers, so um, I tried again, a second time. What do you think I did then? Exactly the same numbers? Probably. And what after the uh, second time, what did I do then? No, no, you I tried. I tried the third, third time. time. Okay. So <laughs> I was actually <laughs> using the same combination. I, I was hoping for a learning process here, but <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. So I, I realized that it ate my card. Mm. So the ATM machine took my card, and I went into the bank because it was just outside the bank. And I went in there and I stood in the queue, and I, I took my um, uh, my line in the queue and so on. And I, and I finally got to meet with the guy, and I said, "Yeah, I'm sorry. I I have a little problem here. My card was." Uh, was eaten by the ATM machine, and he said, "Okay, what what happened? I I I, I tried my my ordinary code. I said, okay, and then what happened? Yeah, I I I, I did it once more, and then what happened? I did it the third time, and what? Why do you th why do you believe th that doing the same things three times would would solve the problem? That was very stupid of you," he said. <laughs> <laughs> you should have come in after the second time. Hmm. It's a nice customer service. Yeah, but, but, but actually ha he had a, a really interesting point there because I didn't change, I probably didn't change anything. I don't think so, at least. I was uh, probably, I thought I um, did something wrong or did it get it wrong? Can a machine get it wrong? I don't know. I, I, I don't know how I, th I, I actually didn't think. I just over and over and again ask the same question or pose the same question or, or, or however you put it, uh, believing that it would give me another answer. So the answer was that it probably that is <laughs> wrong code. <laughs> I don't know. And and uh, if I would have gone into uh, to the bank after the second 
try. He would probably have been able to help me out with the same card. Now it was he needed to yeah give me a new card and, and give me a new code. So <laughs> I have to think of a new code. Mm. Of course, I've forgotten that, but that's another story. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you should write it down, but that's yeah. not a good advice. No. no, but I mean, it's it's interesting that that we expect a different result by by doing things over and over again. And um, I mean, we spoke about in a in a previous program about fundamental assumptions, and and that sometimes our assumptions are especially challenged uh, in in traumatic events or events where we have huge emotional response because then we are kind of exposed to the truth so this is also a way of trying to understand a way of of showing us here is a moment that tries to mirror us something is not working well for us you know on on some level there is an imbalance mm. yeah and and um actually the fundamental assumptions are uh, the they create the room in which or the conscious level in which we can pose questions so if you have a fundamental assumption or a given truth you will only have questions within that given truth and you can't even question the truth or the assumption as it really is and, and if you're interested in uh, you will listen or, or watch this uh, if you're interested uh, in this uh, we have a specific episode where we we more or less dug into fundamental assumptions I don't remember exactly with what episode it was but if you if you go into that you will probably find a lot of interesting stuff here but just to to wrap it up a little bit uh, from from that episode it, it's you could say uh, that if you're not aware that you have an assumption or a truth, then you're stuck with that reality and you're stuck with that room of questions. But if you step behind that assumption and you realize that I can, I can change it or I can modify it or uh, transform it a little bit, then that let loose of a lot of new stuff. So um, we have been using different models here, you and I, uh, Jens, when we have explored this. Uh, we have used the uh, equal model, the tree, uh, the all quadrants, all levels, uh, Ken Wilber model, which has at least 30 years behind it. So it has been out out for a while in, in, uh, in uh, which is which is a non-liner model. And, and we have also used a liner model to understand how those two ways of thinking can can uh, yeah can uh, for you who watch the YouTube stream now we have a, a little picture and for you who are listening on the on the podcast uh, there is like a, a liner way of of looking at life that we have been taught which is putting things in opposition we have a physical pole and a mental pole and in between those uh, there are different levels of what can we call it? Levels of uh, conceptualization. A what level? Things we see and then we can measure. A how? The ways w things work out and how we how we uh, take a uh, how how we work with stuff. And then we have a why level, the purpose behind something. And then we have the root level, where you actually get to choose the assumptions of the world. And so that's that's a line model that we have been taught uh, more or less in the Western world for for many many years, and 
which uh, originated from the separation of the inner and outer world. And then we have this tree model, model the tree metaphor equal model, which is a non-linear system, and, and it embraces all those levels, but it doesn't separate them. And this is what we talk about, actually, when we talk about wholeness. A tree doesn't separate itself. Uh, and, uh, and that means that... Yeah, that that means that it's whole all the time, even if it's not it's not aware of it. Mm. So even if you have a disease, you are actually whole. But there is something that telling you, you you are like in a non-balanced state. And I think that's also related to what you said before. If if you are in in a certain area of, of or have a certain level of consciousness you're only able to pose certain questions but if you are able to then grow your consciousness i think or you can ask different questions then you're growing your consciousness it's um you're asking questions that are from another sphere so to say um I had, for example, the realization that I, I asked a lot of times the question, why? Why are we doing things like this? Why are we, you know, to have this process? Why is this useful? Uh, and I also pretty <laughs> pretty early realized that this is a question that's not appreciated in every context. Mm. So now I asked this question for like a couple of years. And then I also had this realization of this question is leading me not to anything to any new insights anymore. So I'm not saying I have asked and find all the answers to, to this question, but I mean, I realized it's always leading me towards the same kind of thought pattern. Uh, and then I started asking a different question and thereby I realized like, oh, now it's leading me in a different direction. And it's maybe more interesting or more suitable for the context I'm in Can right you give now. give an example of how you reframe the question or? Yeah, um, that's something interesting. I think I haven't found the the another question. I just realized, like uh, every time I ask the question why, it's kind of leading me in the same direction in the same area, and then that made me wonder, like, okay, what is a different question? Mm. And could maybe could you, yes, yeah. Could could you s pose the question from another consciousness level? Uh, for instance, uh, we have in a entrepreneurial program we have for uh, youth. Kids between 16, 19 years. We have a, a program for for entrepreneurship and so on. And the interesting thing there is that we use a model uh, that is also a, a wholeness model called Ikigai. Mm -hmm. uh, the people who wants to dig into it, you can just Google Ikigai. It's spelled I K I G A I. And what happens then is that you you pose questions on another level instead of saying what you want to work with. You ask, what life do you want to live? Which is a question on, on a higher level, more or less, or higher, I don't know if that's the right word, but at least on another level. But it's an, a level that Im it includes the previous level. Mm. Maybe it's more complex. It's maybe more complex, and it opens up for possibilities that are not in the realm of what you want to work with. Mm. For instance, if we look at, at the situation right now, there are a lot of people who lose their jobs due to, to corona of uh, different reasons. Maybe they were in an industry that they are not longer able to sustain. Uh, maybe that was uh, uh, they, they were in, in, a, in a context that didn't adopt uh, quick enough, or I don't know, a lot of stuff. Um, 
uh, part of those were actually in in now I have to reframe it so it doesn't sound odd um, but maybe they were doing stuff that we shouldn't do yeah and and this mm. is what is I think what you're struggling with is like uh because on a personal level, of course, it's a bad situation. You know, people lose their jobs. Mm. People, you know, close relatives die. And this is bad, you know, simply full yeah, stop. Yeah, yeah. But on another level, it, mi it, mi up. it might open up. And, and, and as we said before, maybe these kind of crisis moments or however we want to phrase them or denominate them, they might be on a bigger picture, on a more complex picture, relevant for for choosing a new direction or making trying to make us aware of something definitely and, and connected then to uh, what you want to work with probably we need to not only need we also have the opportunity so it's not only a need it's also a possibility without a need to create new types of work new types of tasks new types of functions and how can you even answer the question what do you want to work with if you're 16 years old and three years later corona came came along <laughs> i mean again uh, is it is it a relevant question yeah at some level it's relevant and on another level it's more relevant to ask the question how do you want to live your life hmm. it's interesting because uh when I think back of, of these fundamental assumptions and then using mm, traumatic experiences or, you know, very emotional experiences to, to yeah, now I'm already saying it, question our mm. our assumptions. It's not about, it's more, I guess, in, in the way of how we look at it and in the way we phrase questions to look at it uh, and not so much in... I guess in the experience itself mm. because that is just something that that happens or appears in our lives mm. but then how do we look at it and and what kind of questions do we ask from it that is I think one of the mm. key aspects of of opening up to new possibilities mm. and uh, if we if we go back to this uh, those two models uh, either the liner or the non-liner model uh, let's use the tree for a while but those of you who are more comfortable with the liner model, it, it, it works. The, the reason we're going reasoning we're going to use is, is uh, it works in both models, and that is if you if you look at, at, at the the tree and ask yourself what parts of the tree do I see, and how can I see another level of the tree, or if I'm in this liner model, if I only see what is measurable how can I value or even see things that are not measurable? We can take an example here, uh, wi which is about wholeness. It's something, uh, it's an idea that came the other day from a friend of mine called uh, Richard. Uh, we're working on, on, a, on a project together and uh, it's about the sustainable development goals. So that's one of the ideas behind uh, this. Uh, it's a platform for, for, uh, for dialogues. And he said, okay, so now we have 169 uh, sub-goals and the 17 uh, sustainable development goals. And there are 169 sub-goals. There are a lot of things. And we set goals. So it's something that is in front of us, right? So we set something in front of us. The idea, he said, was what if we put them as assumptions, more or less, for, for that we can work from instead of working to? So 
what happens if we do that, we put ourselves at the position of this is the design criteria for everything we do, what will then happen? Yeah, the first thing, first thing that happens is that we need a direction then. Direction is not given by a goal, it's actually given by direction. I'm thinking, uh, do you really need a, a direction? Because whatever, I mean, I guess you need to, in order to develop something or create something, there is always a direction in which you go and in, 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 in which area you apply it. Probably it's but I mean the design, design criteria exactly. themselves yeah. will actually show you the direction. So it doesn't matter if I design a project or if you build a house, if you use the same design criteria mm. and then go in different directions, this is what I understand as yes, direction, yes, yes. then we are still using the same design criterias and therefore the result is very likely, very highly likely to be mm. based on the design criteria we chose. Mm. And to be able to do those kind of, of um, thought experiments, uh, whatever we call it, then you're you have to have at least more than that what is measurable on the table. So how do we see stuff that we don't see? And how can I explore something which I haven't got a uh, previous experience of? And I will say the first thing is to anticipate that it's really there. To believe that there is something, then I can see it. Instead of the opposite, I have to see it to believe it. So by saying that the tree has a root system, even if I can't see it, it's beneath the earth, it's down in the soil, I don't see it, but I have some kind of a feeling that there is something going down into the earth. We can call it roots, a whole root system. I don't know how big it is. I don't know if there is any end to it. I don't know how it looks like up until maybe I, I've taken a tree up. I don't know. But up until that point, I have to trust my belief that there is something beneath the surface, the, the in the soil or something. And when I do that, I actually open up for new possibilities. Hmm. I like that. Hmm? That you have to trust your belief also in order to, to see it. And uh, I think most of the time it we are actually raised in, in the other way around. It's like, unless I if I don't see it, it's not there. No, and then it doesn't exist. No. Which is actually diminishing our, our, our experiences. Uh, I've, I've been speaking to people who have, their have had the biggest experiences of life, and afterwards they haven't told anyone. And they actually tell me, when they tell me about those experiences, they all, all my, a lot of, of the people then add, but I've never told anyone of this. Which is very interesting, I believe. It's first of all, I, I believe that I got a lot of trust in, in the in the conversation and dialogue, and also what they they um, tell me. They 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 must have a lot of trust because they tell me it. But at the same time, it also says something about how we look at each other and how we look at those experiences that are not measurable. Hmm. We can call them a lot of things. We can call them mental. Uh, um experiences we can call them um, uh, spiritual experiences we can call them whatever we call them it doesn't really matter but whatever we call them as long as we don't speak it it's not ex it, it doesn't exist 
yeah. that's interesting because I'm I mean I have been in in the last years also been in in the process of uh, validating myself more you know validating my experiences that I have trusting my intuition if I have a thought in a situation then using that thought instead of questioning like oh is this really what I should be believing now or, or is this appropriate it's like well it's there so it's mm. it is probably right um, and I would like to explore a little bit is is it really true if if I don't speak it because for example I I think my mind is working in, in, a, in a very it's always on so to say so I'm, I mean I'm having thoughts and experiences uh, even though I don't express them um, so what I'm trying to get at is like is that also real in, in, in that way mm, yeah it must be well, what is your own answer to it I, I mean what should I say yeah. no I guess uh, if is it a rhetoric question for yourself? <laughs> to <laughs> yourself, you pose the question to yourself, and, and what is the answer then, Jens? <laughs> <laughs> um, I guess if you answer, f uh, how can I say it? If you, I mean, speaking doesn't always me imply that you speak to another person. No, no, no. Yeah, but right now you you're actually going to the doctor, asking in the doctor, how do I feel? <laughs> I don't know. I uh, <laughs> I don't. I'm not possessing your body. <laughs> So what what do you think about this? No, I think it's uh, true. I mean, how much do I validate my own own feelings, my own thoughts, my own emotions? And then, I mean, I'm the only one who can say <coughs> they are right or wrong. Mm. And then even that is, I think, a, a invalid uh, mm. denomination because they're either yeah. there mm. or they're not there. Mm. And And yeah. probably they're always there and how do I interpret them? That is maybe the more relevant question. And here you go into something very interesting concerning wholeness. Uh, this idea, I really appreciate I this idea we I'm going to, to talk a little bit about here. Very often we see the ego as something that is spoiling stuff, right? Mm. So what is, f what is feeding the ego? A lot of people say, yeah, if you're selfish, you're egoistic. Okay, that's the the maybe dominant way of thinking of egoism and, and, and ego. Um, but ego doesn't do it for itself. It does it for the context or for uh, some other person or some other maybe um, the lack of love from your father or from your mother or maybe the some something that happened to you uh, when you were a kid or uh, even at work you have some kind of a what will my colleagues think of this or what will the boss say or or uh, what what will the neighbors say if i do whatever i do and, and so on and this is the idea the idea here is that if you're not if you're not really how should i say it dependent on what other people think of you or say about you aren't you then the most selfish you can ever be mm. and at the same time when you're so selfish so you only trust your own belief on your own experiences kaboom that is when you're whole this is the idea i really love <laughs> it <laughs> it takes a moment to be processed here. 
Um, wow, that's a that's a interesting thought, really, or like a thought experiment. Um, and you I understand I what what am I yeah. looking here for? If because we very often we say, okay, if you um, you should uh, listen to other what other people say and stuff like that. Of course, that is interesting. But if you're dependent on it, that is actually feeding the ego. But what we believe is egoism is when you're selfish. But the most selfish thing to do is to trust yourself and when you do that you're actually connected with the universe you're whole or united with everything so this is would if this works out i don't know I, I really love the idea but if this really works out there is a way forward that is when you're a whole the organization you're in or whole the society you're in will be more whole and the planet will be more whole. So you're actually healing Mother Earth by healing yourself. Hmm. I, I don't know what to say here. It's like uh, <laughs> you really uh, surprised me with this. Um. Okay, so it's a new thought. We have to have to embrace it for a while, of course, and 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 um, and uh, at some level maybe it's uh, true. On another level, it's not. But uh, I. I would say that there is something very, not only interesting, there's something crispy about the thought. Hmm. Because this is actually what we have been taught from ancient religions and, and Eastern systems and stuff like that, that you you have to work on yourself and, and you have to do your own dark work or you have to do whatever you have to do. And that embraces all those thoughts just by the little shift of thought of seeing selfishness as a way of wholeness but the only way to do it is to get rid of the the dependency of how you act or how you think not the in interdependency uh, at the whole it's not like separating us it's not like making persons into individuals again it's to keep the the system complex and keep it whole and at the same time do your stuff your way mm. having trust in, in in yourself i i love that thought i i, I really do no i think that's um how can i relate to it it's like uh <laughs> it's like uh, you really blew my mind here as you can tell it's like uh, I mean even though you, you I mean I'm, I'm not new to these kind of concepts you know and, and, and even I said in the beginning uh, living your authenticity but what does it really mean mm. at the core mm. right like that what does it mean to yeah. be whole and, and can I living uh, authenticity is being selfish uh, on yourself mm. because I mean I can't be anybody else. Everybody else has already taken me. <laughs> yeah, like I love that one. <laughs> That's a nice man. Yeah. And then, so I mean, this is where I need to develop my own trust in me. Mm. I need to develop my own skills and, and strength. And, and, and I mean, we talked about conscious agents before mm. as, as a concept of like everybody in the world, every person has the ability to choose for themselves. Um, and that means I need to 
understand what is my reality, what is my, you know, interpretation of the world, and then how can I think for myself mm. to find this, and then this is what makes me come alive probably, discovering this, this journey, finding out what are my gifts, and then bringing it into the world. Mm. I mean, I, I like the idea of, of an artist, for example, because the artist is probably not, I'm thinking of a painter, for example, most of the time the artist is not going to to the audience and say what are you paying me to paint mm. uh, most of the time the artist is finding his or her creative expression and then like oh i have a vision of something that i i just feel like i need to draw this and, and then the most beautiful picture comes out of it and then the audience likes it because it's like oh this is authentic or this is so you know this style of a specific person yeah i like that uh, uh, and I, I also believe that um, I, I don't know if it's a common uh, way of putting it but i believe it is uh, a lot of artists uh, and also um, people who, who write books or whatever they call it inspiration what that really means it's in inspira in to inspire is in in, in spirit and and inspire 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 Beery, uh, whatever it, yeah, never mind. Uh, it also means actually uh, breathing. Hmm. We talked about this episode of silence. Maybe you should do, do another episode of, of breathing. Breathing, yeah. Yeah, or we have this uh, idea that we could, we could also elaborate a little bit on, on the 10 breaths or the 16 breaths. Hmm. Uh, and it relates to, to the tree. So maybe we should again uh, just introduce the tree again. The what level is the crown, the, the how level is the stem, the why level is the beginning of the roots, and, and the root is the root system. So we have different functions in the tree, and it's whole all the time. But not always are you aware of it, so we have different trees. And this is the ID model, intention decision model. So uh, here we have at least four worldviews. Uh, first one is the physical me. It can own that tree can only see crowns, its own crown or other other crowns. Uh, the formal we, the tree. This tree can see not only crowns but also stems. So when the formal we looks at the physical me, it says, "Oh, you're not aware of your stem." But what happens is that it's not aware what is below surface and then we come into to create it together which is the third tree or the third worldview uh, which uh, embraces uh, at least the beginning of the roots and says that there is something that is below the surface or below uh, the earth that that is relevant but we're still stuck in the measuring so we have to relate to it as as uh, something we do in the physical world. Uh, I mean, we say uh, not only values, but how do you live your values? That is what we measure. So uh, the cognitive part of it. And then when that tree that's created together look at the formal we and the physical me, it realizes that it has, those trees has some kind of a, of a beginning of a root system, but they are not aware of it. They value some stuff. Uh, maybe they value piles of uh, money or they value uh, amount of uh, things uh, or they value uh, grades in school or they value whatever it is that is measurable 
But Creative Together realizes also that you can value something else. And then we have the Conscious United, which is, and uh, we don't say that the tree is whole because we don't know how big the tree is and we don't even if know if the tree metaphor is the right metaphor. So, but at least at that level, you can al al also see that not only is there what and hows and whys, not only are there crowns and stems and the beginning of the roots, there is also a big root system. And that root system is at least as big as what is above the surface. And that, are, that is, um, if we use the word again, fundamental assumptions, those are the assumptions we take for granted. And as that tree looks on itself, it can at least see that it can make another choice on that level, on the fundamental assumption level. And it also realizes when it looks at the other trees that they also have a assumptions that they take for granted, but they are not aware of it. They see them as truths. So what we have here is actually every tree of those four trees have four functions. The crown, the stem, the beginning of the roots, and the root system. So all of those have four levels. We can call it breaths. That makes up 16 breaths, but only 10 of them are available at whole. So this idea is that how can we then, how can we put more bre breathing into it, more in inspire more, in put in more, the breath is actually when you breathe in, it also comes up when you breathe out. So breathing in, breathing out, it's actually making the system alive. So the breath is what puts life into to the existence. So this is a, a short, uh, and, and if you're more interested in, in, in the ID model, you can go into the specific episode of that. But right now it's a little bit interesting because we have those 16 breaths, but only 10 of them are present. And, and the world, as we know it, the Western world, it's stuck, or it has been stuck up until the corona opportunities came along. It has been stuck between formal we and physical me. And now we have the opportunity to take, instead of uh, three breaths out of eight, going to seven breaths out of eight, maybe. How can we shift from best in the world to best for the world? That is what lies in into this model, actually. Mm. Hopefully it's understandable for you who, who listen uh, and, and also who you are following the YouTube live. And, and if you're interested in these ideas, then and uh, of course you can contact us and, and we can provide the ideas to you. I mean, I can use a different language, mm. um, but basically saying the same things, maybe that makes it more relatable mm. for, for more people. And I mean, we often talk about uh, the body, the mind, the heart uh, and the soul. And I think we are we we talked about also this before. It's like uh, the spirit is something, uh, or the soul level is something we don't really. How can I say it? With the diminishing with uh, with the importance of the of the church in in the Western society, we I think we also lost a little bit the touch with our spiritual side, not religious side, spiritual side. 
because what is spirit you know what is where do i feel this connection to something that is larger than myself um so and i think it's super interesting that we always have these four levels uh of starting with the physical me the body the um uh formal we which is more mind related or uses cognit cognition as as the predominant function um then we have the creative together which is more about socially or emotional relating to other people so it could be the heart level um and then you have the conscious united which is uh yeah you can use another word as a soul level the spirit um that is seen in everything um how do we for example um look at the world and say well how do we take care of of the spirit of the world do we first of all believe in this to that there is a spirit in in the world um but also how do we create systems and design criteria that protect it i mean we now nowadays see a lot of and and we trying to we gaining more and more of this language mm. uh which is for example with the sustainability uh design criteria the sustainability goals it gives us a language to talk about what is how can we actually design businesses that are not creating externalities in in their economic way of of managing the the organization but not including externalities externalities in the sense that they dump um trash or produce a lot of trash and then they dump that trash also in into nature because nobody has to pay for it and externally says uh, as uh, people hitting the wall <laughs> or an old ex English expression actually but when you work yourself in into into like yeah, get a burnout or yeah, burn depression out. because you do something that is not meaningful anymore you don't see the uh, purpose in that yeah. and i think that's what a lot of people are experiencing right now in uh yeah so what i'm trying to get is is we can use different descriptions mm. of of these four levels but i mean they have been been there mm. they have been there used yeah. in, in different wordings mm. and this is what i what i think we both talk about is when we are whole we embrace all these four at least four functions mm. um even though sometimes we are only focusing on the physical body and and doing something with the physical body but also do we also nourish I mean we go for example to to nourish our body we go running or you know we go to the gym but also do we do something to nourish our mind mm. do we do something to nourish our our heart do we do a work that is purposeful do yeah. we do a work that is in the spirit mm. and and also uh, I mean uh, uh, something that we are actually trained with and and we have the abil ability at least and and uh, hopefully also the capability at least you can train yourself into it and that is to relate uh, we have used the word empathy and we use that as as one of the uh, main um, uh, dimensions or the one of the dimensions in in the item model the thing here is that you can actually use that to to personalize stuff i mean when we talk about humans we very often talk about humanizing and, and making people more human by seeing them by um, including them or whatever we, we do uh, and that in in a work situation would be uh, embracing why do you do what you do embracing the the um, the 
the ability to take as much as yourself to work as possible and so on. But then comes the next level of that, which would be, what if we use this for describing, and this has been done in many, in many uh, previous systems that have been up to uh, thought models or thought systems that have been previous to the Western world, and that, that is, for instance, indigenous people who put a soul into Mother Earth or into a tree, or instead of just cutting down the tree, you ask, ask a tree, is it okay if I cut you down? And, 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 um, and you also have to, to relate to, uh, to the answer you, were, you will be given. Uh, I remember uh, visiting I Iceland uh, first time, uh, it's 15 years or 16 years ago, and um, they live very close to to to, to nature, and, and at Iceland, nature is very, yeah, huge. It's a <laughs> it's a great word. <laughs> it's it's great and it's huge and it's like, wow. Uh, and in, in at Iceland, they, as I understood, they they believe in the little people, and and uh, they could live anywhere. They could live in, in in a stone, and if that stone is in the middle of the uh, the supposed new road to that should be like built and and the stone is in in the middle of it they have to go around it and this is interesting because if we do this we could actually know more about about the feature for we, we can take the coronavirus what personality has the coronavirus I was actually in a call uh, a couple of weeks ago where they asked like what are the images that you see when you think about this situation and uh, I mean, there were people that had a very, I would say, dark impression of the situation. So relating to your question, it was seen as someone who is probably angry, mm. someone who is, you know, coming with, I don't know, a stick trying to, to, to hurt somebody. Um, but then there were also images uh, and, and description of personalities that were like, oh, it's such a a white light, an inviting soft spirit that, that comes and in and maybe inviting us to reflect on on, on, on what we have done and, and how do we want to go forward from here. Yeah, and maybe in between. Maybe it's uh, Mother Earth saying, go up to, to your room and stay there until you can uh, behave <laughs> or something yeah. like that. So it could be all, all, all versions. But as soon as we, we have that dialogue, we can also get knowledge out of, of the situation uh, and, and this is I believe a way of moving forward right now uh, as we're in the both in the in the corona uh, world uh, but also in the world of, of possibilities how can we how can we enliven uh, the the world again how can we value what has not been valued in, in the Western world how can we value purpose how can we value um, engagement how can we value uh, thoughts how can we value whatever we want value mm. and I mean we we are a little bit how can I say it limited by the format that we are part of right now I, I mean it's a podcast we use mainly language and we use mostly our cognition and, and thought models to explain what we are seeing well, yeah, and not and able to explain actually maybe yeah but this is actually what i'm trying to say is mm -hmm. like we are limited actually by trying to explain wholeness from a 
more or less rational point of view. <laughs> yeah, that's that's stupid. Yeah, that's how can we? Wha- have what have you thought of? Yeah, well, go out and live your life. Yeah, <laughs> so no, but I mean, this is actually uh, there was a I don't know if it that exists in, in in Sweden or in in any other country. There was a German TV show that always in the end it was kind of related to nature, and in, in at the end the host always said now turn off the TV, turn off the, you know, medium, whatever you're watching it on, mm. and go out, you know, experience life, mm. test things out for yourself. Mm. And I think that's actually... Yeah, I, I love that. It's not, it's not, the problem is not watching TV or doing meditation or uh, going to the j- gym or... But when you've done that, go out in the world. Yeah, experience for yourself. Uh, T- uh, take the knowledge with you. Uh, for instance, wha- when when we have the liner models and we put things in opposition, for instance, again, then uh, the rational and, and the uh, the spiritual or whatever it is, how can you then even take it with you into the physical world? You can't. I mean, you can have a fantastic experience with the yoga, whatever you do, and you can't take it into the to the ordinary day-to-day life bring it you can't bring it because you have separated it so here we have ideas at least on how to do this but we have to do it hmm. and and what i think is also interesting what you're saying is like we use the body to get a connection with the spirit and yoga is quite a good example because it combines these aspects or use at least physical movement to feel a connection with the spirit and that is also it's not separated i mean it's whole already in itself it is like we said before the tree is is present in all the trees Mm. it's like uh, using the body the physical part of me and the spiritual connection it, it can happen at the same time and i think we all have examples for example of of you know what should we do as uh, i don't know study or, or and th- and then you sit, r- sit down and write pro and cons lists for you know for one option against one option and then you look at both sides and both sides are valid you find a lot of good reasons to do something you find a lot of not so good reasons to to not do it and this is where you you try to use logic mm. but then again you look at this list and and you have this stomach feeling of like i already know what the answer is but i'm i'm i'm, I'm trying to rationalize it mm. and finding more good reasons to do it yeah and i'm coming back to those uh, those stories i had before with people who have had the biggest experiences in life and they have diminished them as so much that i can't even talk about them or maybe it's because they're afraid of diminishing them maybe they want to hold them by themselves because if they if i tell someone then what if they they um, minimize my experience and say no you you must have uh, misunderstood it would it it couldn't be that it has to be this instead or something like that so uh, so the question here will then be how can we start valuing what we can't see and and, and i i have one one example i, I really love um because I think it's so not maybe beautiful, it's but maybe it is. I, I will see what you think about this one. For instance, we can we can, or at least it seems that we can do whatever we like to the Mother Earth. Uh, we can pollute her. We can uh, uh, take down all the trees, and we can whatever we have. We we can really destroy stuff, right? 
I mean, we have all the technology to do it. Yes, mm. I'm, I'm, and we do it. Okay, mm -hmm. so, um, mm? so this is actually within the system that is already present, within the legal frames. There is a concept called legal rights of nature. For instance, um, uh, a lake can have its own legal rights. This has been done in, in a lot of countries right now, in Western world countries, where you have examples where you have um, given an area or a phenomena a legal right. Hmm. What happens then, because a legal right could be relevant because of people maybe are need, need to have water from the, uh, this lake or whatever it is, but by doing this, you in live in it. You put spirit into it. Yeah, and it's not, I mean, from my perspective, it's not about the legal act in itself, no. but it's it is because, or maybe as the effect of that, I'm, I'm not sure here, but I mean, the main reasoning behind it is that there is, you make this entity an entity, and, and mm. thereby, I mean, you make the lake a legal entity, so you make something physical, something metaphysical, mm. And then you say, well, now it has something which we can't destroy. Yeah. So you, 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 you give back uh, the soul to the lake. Yeah. In, in some sense, you can uh, say it like this. Yes, you, that's, that's what's happening. And I, I really love that. And, and it's an interesting uh, abridge of, of, um, of the system that we have built. So there are still like holes in, th in, in it where you can get those uh, instead of taking the uh, the round uh, balls in, into the, the round pegs into the square holes you can actually see that oh you, you fit it it fitted here and, and um, I love those um, interesting ideas on how to get back to what was and when you think of it it's so not only relevant it's uh, the most relevant thing to do actually to ask yourself what would the lake say about this and and because you were almost about to say we're going back to this and then in in some way we are because these things is what what you gave the example already indigenous people have been doing yeah i mean their whole life and then that is our past history so, yeah. so in some way we have been doing this as humanity already mm -hmm. Nowadays, that's what I meant. Is like we have all the tools and then the, the all the knowledge to you know master the planet or master nature, mm. and then that's not the right question. Is it relevant to do it? Yeah. Is is it like just ethical maybe? To yeah, do it? ethical could be one way to do it, and just but to to talk about it because just because you can do it, exactly. should you do it? I mean, there are a lot of things I can do that I shouldn't do, and a lot of things that I I believe is or it's not it's not legal of course but it's also not ethical uh, and not not only ethical it's not i would say just because i can do it doesn't say i should do it at any level it's not equal it, that's not equal to each other uh, that's a huge step between them and that step could be called ethical framework or ethical aspects or or uh, all and also legal i mean the, the legal framework is given by some kind of an ethical framework hmm. otherwise we wouldn't need the legal um, aspect of it 
So there is already at some point an idea on what is we call it reasonable to do or not. Mm. Mm. And then at another level we have lost the spirit to the rational. Yeah, I think that's yeah. And that's how exactly and how, yeah. it. And how can we then bring a renaissance into the not that what can't be measured? Because I believe this is actually what we are standing in right now. A big choice. Should we I mean, people are talking go going back to normal. Uh, what if normal wasn't at all uh, the the good norm? No. I mean, uh, n not many years ago in Sweden, I, I I think it was like 40 years ago, uh, we 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 beat the children uh, as a part of of uh, of um, yeah. It's just how it was. Yeah, it was. And then at some point we realized, okay, is that a good method? Uh, whoops, no, it wasn't. And then we stopped doing it. Uh, and today I would say most people thinking about that in, in this country, uh, I would say, realize that, yeah, that's not a good way of doing it. And it's actually not legal. <laughs> so, uh, and, and in I, I, I'm, I'm not valuing that in terms of uh, uh, putting other countries into opposition here. What I'm s talking about this is an example of how a norm can be rechanged. Uh, first you have to be norm critical, then you can be norm creative, and then you can build a new norm. And what happens right now is that that time between an old norm, a previous norm, and a new norm, uh, uh, something we choose, whoops, it's <laughs> the time could be like almost zero. It could be instantly. Uh, the digitization now, right now, is more or less happening instantly. Mm. I think what is complicating this, this matter a bit is that some people that are born now, they are born into a belief system or into a, a certain way of doing things and yeah, they never have the experience of how a different worldview could look like or you know uh, I guess an example would be nowadays most of the children in in the Western world they grow up with having a cell phone or uh, you know some kind of but tablet yes to, yes to be honest didn't the same thing apply to you when you were born yeah you were also born into a, a thought model or a paradigm or whatever it was yeah and uh, it needed a some traumatic experiences <laughs> to shake me up <laughs> but i mean oh. also i was looking for for knowledge and, and what you're saying nowadays with this digitalization you you have all the knowledge at your fingertips and you know the the experiences of previous generations or previous uh, tribes they are they are not lost they're still existing and and may some somehow maybe we just have to remember it again mm. and and, and to be fully honest, as the human race or whatever we call the um, the spirit of humanity, <laughs> it has been going on so much longer than compared to this la latest 150 years or whatever it is that we have lost that knowledge. So it's not lost. It's there all the time. We are whole. It's not something that it's going to be better or anything like that. It is good. The thing is, do we embrace it 
And do we value it? Do we even see it? Hmm. And I mean, now now I have to think of this lake and and like, if if I want to do something with the lake, who who should be ba better a able to answer what I should be doing with this, or if whatever I would like to do with this is okay, then the lake itself. Mm -hmm. But I'm also understanding this is very much my own intuitive way of of communicating. I'm not saying that's right or wrong, but I mean that is one. Because what I'm looking here for is like what could be different ways of um, relating or different way of of sense making related to these kind of four functions that that we talked about. And if we talk about the spiritual aspect, then it's probably intuitive way of of making sense of the world mm. um, so that would be i can pose a question and then whatever answer comes up in me or around me or where wherever it comes from yeah in different forms so, uh, this this morning i i was uh, having a, a workshop and, and in that workshop uh, i mentioned a, a tool that i've been using the latest five six years or something like that both in business development and in and in societal development it's called empathy map mm. and the question was what is an empathy map and this is um, why i'm i'm taking this as an example is that there are tools there are formats for dialogue there are uh, so many good ways of working that are already present the solutions are already there it's not that we have to invent new ideas they are already there they're present uh, so if you're interesting for instance in an empathy map it's an easy way to get for instance the lake or a person or whoever it is uh, be giving their perspective you use empathy the ability to put yourself in someone else's shoes it could be another person it could be a future you it could be a lake and you put yourself in in that person or whatever it is shoes um, you define the context of it maybe it's uh, um, it's about the lake and uh, and about um, uh, i don't know um, digging it out or something i don't know and then you ask this those questions concerning we can take the person because I, I guess it's easier for people to follow the example we can have a person let's say a customer uh, who are entering your web page that is quite an ordinary situation right a customer uh, for your company that is entering your web page and and they want to to know more for instance mm? so that is the 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 story behind it and then you you pose questions concerning what do this person see what does this person hear? What does it think and feel? And what does it say? What are pains and what are the gains? And then you make a map out of it. And you can do this as a workshop together with people, uh, two or three people sitting down together. And what you do is actually you're getting more information than if you would have gone to that specific customer in that specific situation and ask that person uh, those questions. So you're actually getting more information out of this than than an uh, ordinary poll or uh, or a questionnaire or whatever it is. Uh, you get honest questions. The only bias you have is yourself. But if you put yourself in someone else's shoes, you get rid of yourself. So what if you put yourself in the in the in the shoes of the lake? 
asking what do you see when I dig out this uh, part of the lake or uh, drain it or whatever we do or pollute it uh, what do you think what do you feel what do you see and what do you hear what would you say what are pains or what are the gains so it's a easy way to understand more than we understand you get more information hmm. I mean here's what I like about this is that it embraces different functions. So it, it touches the physical part because you are relating to, mm. to something else. It, it uses the uh, emotional aspect because you are putting yourself in somebody else's shoes and trying to really see and feel how it feels to be in their perspective and, and look at the world from, from someone else's perspective. The, the only issue I have with this whole, what you described is, it is coming from a very rational, you know, yeah. point of view. Yeah. And then I think that is something which is different if you talk about uh, spiritual or intuitive mm -hmm. sense making. Mm. Uh, you don't use logic. No. I mean, I think my own intuit intuition is quite strongly developed, but I I'd also don't have the words to, uh, to explain this. Mm. It's like uh, sometimes you just know it. something mm. without having a rational explanation for it or you know you have a clear picture yeah. or a clear voice in your head that that's tells you something and and you don't know where it's coming from mm. and that is confusing on so many levels especially if you're if you're learned to make to sense of the word in a rational yeah, yeah, way yeah, yeah definitely and and um, if we're honest to ourselves the most of the choices we do are not the rational at all <laughs> the, 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 what we do is that we we take decisions based on on feelings and then, then we try to <laughs> re-rationalize them afterwards or so that's interesting in itself uh, but but to, to follow your thought here is that what i'm what i'm hearing and what i'm thinking of it is that when you when you're not trained in 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 um, trusting your intuition it gets confused but what if we would train the kids in school to make sense of their intuition? I would say we will be great in using the intuition. And you can do exercises. I mean, we can start with the first step instead of talking about the intuition. We can call it mental training. <laughs> That's a, an expression that I've been up at least for 30 years. What if I, I actually train myself in, in, in how I think? And we're still at the rational part here, right? So we, but it's not measurable, right? I mean, we also have to train our yeah. mental capacity. Mental capacity, and and, and with the within mental, mental training, we know stuff that we know that if you train on something, just by I, I very often do this. Uh, it's an exercise. You can do it at home now if you like. You can stand up. You can you can you can do it on you. It's okay. Is it okay if you uh, go out on on the floor here and and uh, and I uh, would make a, a little exercise with you? Is that okay? Okay. Yeah. So <laughs> you, you can. Uh, I, I will use this camera then, and, and uh, on on the iPad here, and and uh, and see if I can um, film you when you're standing there. So if, if you go standing on on the red mat over there, and I I, I will. And those who don't see it, it, it what is happening now is that uh, what I'm asking Jens to do is to to stand. So you're standing right like that, and and I want you to take your uh, right arm. You can do this at home, definitely. Please take your right. Join me. <laughs> right, right arm and point uh, in front of you with the f your index finger, on, on right straight ahead on a point on 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 the wall. Yeah, see like that, and maybe you have to move a little bit in in, in that direction, um, so you don't. 
hurt yourself a little bit more. Uh, okay. So I want you to stand with the feet on, on the ground like that, and you point at the point uh, on the wall, and then you t uh, turn right as far as you can without um, leaving the ground with the feet. Okay, you understand? Uh, with my finger or my whole body. You you turn uh, to, to the, the right, right as as far as you go, as 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 much as you can go around. M yeah, and then you flex back. Okay. Okay, so what I want you to do now is to uh, take down your arm and I want you to close your eyes. So you can close your eyes at home now. And I want you to see within your mind how you now point at that point with your index finger. You just do this in your mind, okay? And when you stand there, you put, you're, you're seeing yourself turning right. But this time, when you turn right, you get a little bit longer than the previous position you had before you flex back. And then you, you can take a deep breath and relax in your shoulders and arms. And yeah, that's great. That's great. So take a deep breath, and with still with the eyes shut, you imagine and see yourself pointing at this point again. And when you now turn right you you move a lot more you almost come a whole round around you almost have a th 360 degree before you flex back and then you flex back and you again you can take a deep breath and just relax in your arms and it feels so good to be able to to really stretch out and a third time i want you to with your closed eyes again see your finger index finger pointing at this spot and then you turn right so far that you actually you're almost a whole round around almost before you flex back okay so the round two was the mental pointing yeah now again i do no 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 you're still you're still following my instructions okay. so take a deep breath and then you can open your eyes now and i want you to point at the again with your finger right on front and this time when you go as far as you can, turning your body to right. As far as you ever can, before you're flexing back. Okay, you can flex back. So what happened now? Hmm. Did you come further or did you come? I came further, yeah. Okay, so please come back and we can sit down here. So when you try this at home, probably you will come a little bit further. Some some people probably also come uh, shorter. I don't know, <laughs> but most people, I would say, come further. How much further did you come? Uh, I don't know, ten centimeters. <laughs> whatever, <laughs> whatever, ten centimeters. Yeah. Okay, in, but in, in pr percentage uh, or degrees or whatever it is. A couple of percent. A couple of percent. Do you know that when you study th stuff like this, uh, I mean, you didn't really exercise yourself physically in between you did it mentally the shift from the first and the second round is in average 15 to 20 percent mm -hmm. no matter what you do actually so this is an example of when you do it with your arm turning that going yeah Turning your around uh, right, uh, the right, uh, yeah, pointing at the uh, point at the, at the, <laughs> the wall, but th this could be in in any situation in in your work life, in your in your private life, in 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 any situation under any circumstance. For instance, uh, having a speech, 
you're going to have a speech, let's say. Let's say you have a TEDx coming up, 18 minutes preparing. Okay. You can, of course, do the planning, uh, but when you have done that, the mentor training, how long does it take to have a 18 minute speech when you do it mentally? Not 18 minutes, I would assume. I don't know, maybe first time you do. If, if you're not used to do mental training, probably the first time you do it, it will maybe take, I don't know. But uh, as you train yourself into this, I would say when I do this, uh, for instance, in, uh, before I do, uh, I was supposed to have a workshop or a presentation or a, a TEDx or whatever, uh, what I do is that I put myself in, in the mood, the, the you, you can say I, I more or less uh, meditate myself into a state and then I visualize how I will feel, what the audience or the participants uh, would feel, what they will take away with them. And I do this maybe once uh, a couple of days before and then I do it again the, the night before maybe and then I do it just before I, I'm supposed to have this presentation. And the interesting thing is that 15 to 20 percent is the average and this is with people who are like not trained mm. and i think what's you know building up on what you said is is that you're not going through the presentation and exactly every word that you're saying no, no, this no. is not what we mean with mental training you are putting really yourself in this situation and then imagine yourself for example standing what this is what i would do standing on the stage and then feeling how it would feel to be there, how to stand there with confidence, how my words affect and inspire, because that's probably what I'm wanting for out of this situation, mm. how my words are inspiring other people in the audience. And that is like, you know, you, you put your really self in a, in, a, in a different, in a situation, you, you um, feel it, how it feels for yeah, you? Yeah, and the first time I, I did this, of course, it it, it was uh, a little bit odd and, and stuff like that, and I didn't really know what to do. But as you train, you also do. Hmm. Hmm? So this is the, the the exact evidence of that. Otherwise, you wouldn't give give this uh, fifty to twenty percent in average. And this is in average. Uh, that means that if you only got uh, two percent or five, I don't, I don't know how many percent you got. <laughs> I mean, maybe for me it's ninety-five. Or 150, or 2002, or something. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I mean, uh, if you do this with non-trained people uh, for um, for a setup, you get a difference between 15 and 20 percent in performance. In effect, no matter what you do, more or less. And and this is uh, well known within uh, uh, some um, areas. For instance, uh, the elite. Uh, of uh, yeah, uh, what do you call it? Um, now it's idiot. Yeah, the sports. sports yeah, yeah, sorry, in sports. Athletes, athletes in sports, but that's not true because even if they know about it, there are a lot of people who are not able to do it because we start something maybe when you're almost adult. You you have uh, you have a situation that is press, uh, pressing on you, stressful. And you should at that point learn how to deal with mental visualization processes and stuff like that. Wouldn't it be better to do it in school? Hmm. I mean, what we train on, we will be good at. 
And this, what I mean is, this is an example. Now it's called mentor training. But what if we would do the same thing with intuition? What if we would, in school, learn to trust intuition? What would happen? I guess my assumption is that we would get better at it over time. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's an assumption you can have. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so no, yeah. I mean, it's what you train and, and where you put your focus on. Of course, that will mm. grow and improve. Mm. And then it's the way of, the question is, how do you train these things? And then, again, I mean, there are, it's it's nothing that we come up with. It's like the methods and the tools are already there. Yeah, But but this is... So it's so just a matter of, do we value it and do we use it as design criteria in hmm. how we, for example, yeah, I'm not sure if education is the right word, but use education or maybe use it in, in a child's exploration, mm -hmm. perhaps? Yeah. And also in a day-to-day you know, -day life, I, I mean, if we if we believe in training the body, we will believe in also training the mental uh, part and the and the spiritual part or the intuitional part, and and not seeing them maybe as parts, again seeing them as whole. And I want to come back to this uh, as as uh, again balance. Uh, as long as we uh, again balance stuff, we're we're occupied by balancing. It takes a lot of effort to balance something. If you can, you can try out. You can, you can put your pen on 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 your finger like this and uh, try to balance it on on a f on your index finger. And if you find the the right right point, you you get the balance of this. But you also know that at any point of life, nothing is stable. So uh, the weight on the pen will differ from time to time. That means that you you're actually not able to to even balance a pen hmm. so instead of balancing i like the the way you put it it focus what we focus on we will we will nourish and what will we nourish will grow and what grows will be and and again if we focus on something and we practice it we will get better on it and we will get more results on it hmm. more or less whatever we do no, I like this, and um, I'm thinking here of because we spoke a little bit like about the the spiritual intuitive side. We talked about feeling and and how to relate uh, to other people, perhaps. Um, how do we train our mind? Mental training. Mm. How can we also train our body? Uh, and then I think what comes to my mind is using our s physical senses and, and having an awareness of what does it actually mean if 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 my arm tickles is that without you know trying to understand it on a how can I say it? not using an interpretational or oh, this means it but like do I know what my body tries to tell me without rationalizing about it mm -hmm. and the other part that I was thinking of is don't we at some level need to establish like a not a balance but you know uh, like what is my level zero so to say like what is like a normal state for me and, and when do I know mm. for the lack of a better word out of balance mm. uh, doing do I do something too much or do I do less of it I mean uh, this is actually easier than we probably have been told 
you can you can take any thought uh, experiment here concerning uh, amounts of something. Uh, if if I if I drink too much water, that will harm my body. Actually, you can drown yourself by by uh, drinking. Well, you have to really, <laughs> really devote yourself in drinking water, but but at least it's possible, of course. Uh, and uh, if you do any, uh, I mean, your body is, I I believe, the best way of telling you if you're on the right track or not. And training yourself in, in listening to that, even if it's tickles or whatever it does, also means that taking care of it. Uh, both the physical body and and the mental body, or the uh, or the whatever we call it, uh, spiritual body, or um, there are so many words for it. I don't know even know them all. Um, uh I guess emotional body. Yeah, emotion. So many words, body, 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 body. Um, never mind. If we see it as a whole, how do I live my life? How do I want to live my life? I really like that idea of embracing life and I would say maybe it's time now to to wrap this up and saying to people okay as you know turn off whatever device you have been listening to or following or watching go out and live I love the <laughs> what was the name of the program uh, remember, the name of the person is uh, Peter Lustig. Uh, it's oh. a funny name in itself. Yeah, it's funny. <laughs> and, and the show was called Löwenzahn. Löwenzahn. So um, there was a lot of wisdom, I guess, in that show. I don't know yeah. what the rest of it was, but uh, just saying this in the end, thank you very much for listening. If, if you enjoy what we're doing here together uh, in this uh, feed uh, broadcast, Please support us. You can do it in many ways, of course. Uh, share this with, with people you care for and, and also people who, you, who we should care for or organizations we should care for and so on. And if you want to uh, contact us, that's, of course, uh, possible. And um, uh, please support us also on Patreon. That's one way to do it. Patreon.com slash best for the world. And uh, Fida will be back. We have more explorations to do. And uh, this one has been about wholeness. So um, wrapping it up will be um, go out there and experience life. Yeah, experience life and turn off. Find your truth. Yeah, find your truth and, and, and uh, turn off the device. <laughs> Thank you very much and uh, welcome back. And uh, you find all the episodes where you found this one, of course. Best for the world, best for our world.
decisions intentional. To take decisions intentional. Making decisions intentional. Make decisions intentional. To take decisions intentional. Making decisions intentional.